0: On this episode of The Last King Podcast, we're going to be talking about the East Rail 177 Trilogy, which is Unbreakable, Split, and Glass.
1: Or as we like to call it, the Unbreakable, Glassy, Split.
0: <laughs> hey! <laughs> and what a way to bring in this episode. I am one of your hosts, Eccentric Tom.
1: And I am not Mr. Toffee, I am uh, Shafik. <laughs>
0: yes, unfortunately we lost uh, Mr. Toffee to uh, the great um, waifu wave of 2019. He's,
1: he's on location in Japan right now. Doing something. Uh, doing doing the important things that Toffees do. Anyway, enough <laughs> yeah. of Mr. Toffee. Uh, today is going to be a very special episode where we return, kind of, to the superhero genre. Kind of. Yeah. Because uh, the only big movie that actually came out in January... Was the long awaited? It was 19 it years in the making. Kind of expected? <laughs> I don't think it was 19. It was only 19 years in the making two years ago. Yeah. Because nobody knew that this was going to happen. And people have been asking for an Unbreakable trilogy for the longest. I mean, not say a trilogy, a sequel. Yeah. And we kind of got it with Split. And now yeah. we have it with Glass. And are people happy? We will find out. Well. I think more importantly, what people in The Last King want to know is, are we happy with Glass? Uh, I mean, maybe your general brief uh, impressions.
0: My brief impressions is... Eh, that was fun.
1: Mine's is like, I liked it a lot, but it's a terrible movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it has a lot of problems. Uh,
0: let's, let's make it clear. This is very much a January release with all of the caveats that come with it, which is that you can absolutely have fun, but don't expect
1: quality. Well... Don't expect split, yeah. And for a lot of people, don't expect unbreakable because, yeah. um, I mean, before we really go into our review on Glass, which is very polarizing, having I think at this point of time maybe thirty uh, percent critics ratings, but close to eighty percent user rating. When was the last time we saw this kind of
0: split? <laughs> uh,
1: I don't know. I mean, I don't really pay attention to like you know the. Like, Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes are not a great way I of measurement. I pay
0: a bit more attention to Rotten Tomatoes because... I don't know. I feel it like because it's run by people who actually enjoy movies. Mm-hmm. Whereas Metacritic is a bit more cold and calculating. It's more aggregation, yeah. yeah.
1: But, I mean, yeah. Rotten Tomatoes does make an effort to at least um, highlight some key critics, I would say. Yeah. But and then again...
0: Yeah, I mean, it just... I'm gonna say... Right now, that if Rotten Tomatoes say to us, "Hey, do you want to be a feature critic?" I would say,
1: lootly. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> I would like to be on the Rotten Tomatoes. But anyway, before we go dive into Glass, the again, was it much anticipated or long awaited? Mm. But uh, we gotta kind of set up some sort of context for us because we need to kind of also mention the films that preceded it.
0: Yeah. So welcome to the kind of expected kind of like uh, glass (laughs) uh talk about the israel 177 trilogy which is what i discovered is what it's called five minutes ago
1: really i mean this was like to me when i was like you know doing the research for this episode and okay you know when you google the unbreakable trilogy and it automatically corrects you to it's the israel 177 trilogy i'm like huh okay that's a thing and i didn't know what that meant until i realized oh that's the name of the train yeah So it's like, okay, and yes, um, by the way, spoilers for a movie that came out three weeks ago, as of now. Uh, If you were interested, you've seen it already. Mm -hmm. So, I
0: mean, also, you've listened to this podcast before, hopefully, so you know what's coming. (laughs) If you're new here, hello, welcome, please take a seat.
1: (laughs) Anyway, um, we can't really go into these movies yet because I think... It's also kind of necessary for us to talk about the director and our thoughts on his work and... Uh,
0: ah yes, Mr. M. Night Shyamalan. I think M is from Monarch. Uh, my favourite joke is that it stands for Mid.
1: Really? Midnight Shyamalan? Yeah. <laughs> That's his superhero name actually. He is the Midnight director. <laughs> <laughs> he only works after 11. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, I mean... We can go straight into what everybody expects us to talk about, which is basically what's the twist. Yeah, I... Yeah. I mean, there are plenty
0: of directors who have their shtick. I mean, Wes Anderson has his dollhouse aesthetic shtick.
1: Yeah, everything is framed uh, symmetrically. I mean, even Tarantino has his shtick where it, it all feels like another movie that he really loves and he wants us all to watch instead.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, everyone has their shtick. Like uh, Spielberg has his uh, Daddy of Abaddon Issues uh, shtick. Yeah, I
1: saw that in Jaws. Yeah. And in Schindler's List. And in pretty much every movie. <laughs> in E.T. No, yeah. E.T. has daddy abandonment issues. No, wait. The most daddy abandonment issues would definitely be Close Encounters of the Third Kind.
0: Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, then there's Kubrick, who... Yeah. Uh, Just everything's really good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I would say, like... I mean, the most uh, well-known of uh, M. Night Shyamalan's trademarks is definitely... Okay, all his movies, even Glass, unfortunately... Has, has a, a twist. twist. Yeah, and also... He has a way of directing that is very unique to his um Which forte. could translate
0: as either you really buy into it or it's extremely grating if you've not mentally
1: prepared for it. I guess so because like um, I think it's one thing that we have to point out is the fact that at least every M. Night Shyamalan movie feels like an M. Night Shyamalan yeah, movie. Yeah, you're definitely
0: not going to come in this thing thinking, oh, this might be a Michael Bay movie. Like, No, you know. Who this
1: is. And I I think that's something that we should celebrate because even like an example like Michael Bay, when you watch a Michael Bay movie and you know like, okay, explosions, a lot of army... Explosions,
0: tits and a camera
1: that won't stay still. Yeah, exactly. And then, I mean, sometimes it just slows down for no reason. But at the same time, I think it's uh, kind of, I would say refreshing to see a movie like Glass come out in the cinemas, especially in this era because like we are definitely in the age of the Marvel... Yeah, where a lot of stuff is
0: rubber-stamped. There's still some room for expression like you can definitely see hints of kugler's uh, tendrils in black panther for example
1: true yeah
0: but yeah i mean there's definitely more of a kind of you know this is a cookie cutter where there is some room for your own decoration but the form is still the same
1: i mean like the easiest comparison i can make to somebody taking the superhero genre and really making it something other than what is expected is definitely uh, christopher nolan's so of the dark But well, yeah the, the because Knight trilogy.
0: yeah i mean good luck trying to get him to stick to some kind of spec <laughs>
1: <laughs> like he won't he's he's christopher nolan yeah. he's definitely entered that echelon where he can do whatever he wants and also at the same time, there like the only other opportunity for movies like this, like what I would call the postmodernist uh, comic book slash superhero movie, always exists in smaller fed Yeah, because like um, I think the only one matching something like the Dark Knight trilogy in terms of like scope, scale, budget would just, would, I mean, there would be Zack Snyder's uh, Watchmen. Watchmen, and then later he tried to. Kind of make Man of Steel like a postmodernist superhero movie, but it failed tremendously. Yeah, I mean,
0: I would also say that Watchmen is not as good
1: as people remember it. True, that. Especially if you're a fan of the book, because, like, for me, I kind of forgive how they changed the ending. Uh, it makes more sense in today's day and age, I, I would, would say. I wouldn't even say it makes more sense. It would fit the time frame of the film better, because if you yeah. were to try to explain, like, what really happens at the end of Watchmen, according to the graphic novel, Yeah, that that would really... You you need to add even more scenes to kind of like, you know... uh, But you don't want to sit in a theater for four hours watching a Zack Snyder.
0: No, I mean, I don't even... Zack Snyder wants to be in a... Well, actually, maybe he does. Well, depends. I mean, Sucker Punch proved that he's pretty self-indulgent.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I think that's also another thing It's like a lot of people will kind of criticize Emmanuel Night Shyamalan for being self-indulgent, yeah. like Lady in the Water, definitely. For sure. I mean, that is his most pretentious work, but also at the same time, it's like, uh, but that's his style or maybe yeah. isn't it the right of an artist to be as indulgent as he wants to be?
0: I mean, to a certain point, I mean, it still needs to be watchable for other people mm-hmm. because I mean, I could probably direct a movie which have speak very exactly to me mm-hmm. and literally everyone else would be like what the fuck is this bullshit I mean like, you can ex-
1: I mean you can even say like something like Quentin Tar- Tarantino with like you know nothing but pages of dialogue going on and on
0: yeah like- but more specifically dialogue which doesn't necessarily matter towards
1: the wider story not true because it de- kind of depends because he does what we call evasive dialogue yeah. where it's all designed to like I mean the best example would be um,
0: the Royal Albert Cheese
1: because it's basically you're not even though for a lot of people, they would say, like, this doesn't add to the story, but no, it's defining the characters yeah, and I mean, the friendship they have. I
0: didn't explain myself properly. I mean, yeah. obviously, it isn't it isn't utterly pointless, otherwise, an editor would have got rid of it a long time ago.
1: I mean, like, I think the best version of this would definitely be the ballroom scene in Glorious Bastards. Oh, for sure. Because it's like, for a lot of people, that scene went on for too long, but for me, it went on the perfect amount I of mean, time.
0: I mean, it was just the right amount of tension, and also... You know it gave us a few extra minutes with um michael fassbender and you know there's nothing wrong with that
1: (laughs) playing an englishman playing a german man
0: no a half german half irish man playing an englishman pretending to be a german badly
1: (laughs) (laughs) that is pure talent absolutely i mean you know what it would have been really interesting to see if i want to see fassbender and mcavoy together again yeah i do but so, not in a Next men movie. Yeah. The thing is, like, those two guys, they're, like... They're well, hey,
0: good news for you. I don't think Dark Phoenix is ever going to get released. Really? We had a trailer saying January. It's now being pushed to July. And now that Fox
1: is owned by the mouse. Reshoots. Yeah. <laughs> because I think they're going to have to tie it in. They're going to have to, but either they're going to... They need comp- to put Wolverine in the Avengers before he, like, Hugh Jackman ages out. I th- yeah, or they'll recast... No, you can't cut, recast the Wolverine, sir? Or maybe you can. You've recast Batman or Spider-Man a few times. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean... Hey, shit. We've probably had more Spider, uh, more people play Spider-Man than we've had Spiders in Spider-Verse.
1: Yeah, definitely. We've had, like, five Batmans. True. Think about it. Anyway, um, so, M.H.R. Mulan, I would say, like, do you think it's fair for people to kind of uh, criticise him for being true to his style? Yes and no. I mean... at you know,
0: everyone always says, oh, we don't like having the same shit over and over again. We like having something new. Give us something interesting and different. When something new interesting comes up, people go, I don't like it. doesn't make sense. Nah, 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 and nah, then nah, you nah. get Transformers
1: movies. Right? Yeah.
0: I'm like, oh, we don't want the same shit again. You paid money to see this. It's your <laughs> own fault.
1: And I think that's probably the the challenge that a yeah. lot of directors has to... Like, it's basically the difference between being artistically and commercially successful. Very few can pull it off. I mean, like, for every, like, Spielberg or Kubrick or Tarantino. Or Nolan. Or Nolan. You'll get a Josh Trank. Yeah. Or Colin Trevorrow. Or what's the name of that guy who directed Donnie Darko? Uh I,
0: never... I, I can't remember. And for good reason. Yeah, he, he he had one good movie and nothing since. And even then, Donnie Darko is... You
1: know, you can have opinions of it. It's polarizing. We should I, li-
0: have... I liked it, but,
1: you know. I liked it too, but... It's weird when people like it more than you and you don't get why.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was, I watched it at just the right age, mm-hmm. I, fourteen too. turning fifteen. I watched it when I was in my twenties. Oh, okay. But so I, I guess 20. we went through that particular phase at different points in our lives.
1: Well, but it also depends. But also at the same time, um, so let's go straight into the first two uh, movies of the Israel trilogy. Yes,
0: we're gonna talk about Unbreakable first, which because... I watched for the first time three days ago. So what's your initial impression? Uh, okay. Um, it's office time. Yeah. Uh, not to say it's dated. I think it still holds up mostly. Although I forgot just how fucking fuzzy movies looked in the. Turn of the shot century. in film, sir. Eh? Yeah, like which is weird when you see shit like Old Man and a Gun, which came out this year, trying to capture. It. It's like
1: n- nah. Yeah, but also at the same it time, it was. Y- you can't blame the technology. Because no, I like mean it's think- so crispy, clear, and HD now. It's
0: acceptable now. When you're doing it today, it's. Indulgent for the wrong kind of reasons, but that's a different, different discussion for a different day. But also on a
1: technical aspect, because you have yeah. to understand, like, Tarantino still refuses to shoot on digital. But it's still nice
0: and crispy mm. film. Like, yes.
1: Nolan also refuses to do digital unless he absolutely has to. Dude, he's still running around with an IMAX camera. You know how expensive those things are? <laughs> you, you scratch yeah. one. But then again, he can afford it.
0: Yeah, I mean, he could probably afford to throw one uh, down at the end of every production.
1: Yeah, but so, like, let's, uh, kind of, like, use, uh, Emma as Starting point because you have to understand, like, Unbreakable came out exactly a year after probably his most uh, iconic movie, which would be For the Sure. Sixth Sense.
0: When people think of Shyamalan, they first think of this mm-hmm. and then they think of the Avatar movie, <laughs> <laughs>
1: which is unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, it was, I would say it's like this. Like, he did The Sixth Sense, and then he did Avatar, and then he did The Happening. No, Happening came first, Avatar came
0: after no, Happening. But I mean, in,
1: in terms of, you know, like, hatred. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. In terms of, like, okay, this is his good movie, and then it just gets shitty and shittier. I mean, I would say this, right? Avatar, I don't know if it was a passion project or if it was just something no, thrown his way. This
0: was, was it. thrown his way. He was given a check. He obviously didn't give a fuck about the source material.
1: Yeah but also at the same time like when you give him something like okay everything else was written and directed by him yeah and people basically complain about like okay all these movies seem so weird and they always seem to have a twist ending and then people kind of I would say lost interest in the Shyamalan uh, I would say bandwagon because at the end of the day it's like there was a point in time where people would just kind of I mean I wouldn't say people I would say that the executives would advertise Shyamalan movies as what is the twist gonna be this time right and it, I mean, it got him as far as he could. Yeah. And, hey, if
0: it works for the first four or five movies where you get some commercial critical success, why not carry on?
1: I think that's one thing we need to point out is the fact that a lot of people always ask the question, like, how does this guy keep making movies? It's like, because he's profitable. Yeah.
0: It's like, yeah, he doesn't make a billion dollars, but he always is a return of uh, investment.
1: I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like. I think Glass was about twenty million dollars, and it yeah. made fifty million first weekend. So immediately we know like that's a hit.
0: Well, shit, Split uh, was apparently the most uh, profitable movie of twenty seventeen.
1: Yes, and that cost a measly nine million.
0: Yeah, I mean Blumhouse, he's taking to what he knows. And then
1: like it made about one hundred thirty eight million. Like I don't know if it's worldwide or it's just a region. That- I
0: think that might. My- that might just be the US because it
1: was huge. Split was a very good movie. But yeah. okay. Let, before we go into Split, so you just saw Unbreakable for the first time very recently. Yeah. And this is going to be very interesting for me because you're coming in with the, the point of view of somebody who sat through 20 years, no, almost a decade of 20 Marvel movies. Yeah. And uh, also
0: it's been a long time since I've seen a Shyamalan movie. And I forgot,
1: you need to kind of psych yourself up to watch a Shyamalan movie. I mean, he is an author. It's yeah. it's an art movie, so you got to have a certain yeah. kind of perspective. It's like what, walking into a Lars von Trey or a Michel Haneke movie. Oh,
0: yeah. Or, uh, you know, the the more like commonly 9-1, Wes Anderson.
1: Wes Anderson? I mean, the thing is, Wes Anderson is actually more, I would say, um... Mass
0: media friendly
1: than... Marketable, I think. Yeah. And I think like there is a demographic of people of a certain age who will definitely you know bend over backwards for another way. Oh no, movie.
0: I have a friend right now who is fucking obsessed with it. But anyway, tangent. Um, It's one of those movies where I can see where this is a well-made movie. Mm-hmm. But it took me a long time to get into it. And I don't know if it's me or the movie. Because... It takes me a while to get over stilted ass dialogue.
1: Yeah, but that's the trademark of the of the director. Yeah,
0: and hey, I fucking loved Killing of a Sacred Deer, and that had probably the most bizarre dialogue I've heard in a long time.
1: Oh, you should see the one before that, Doc tooth Oh, I've seen Doctor. <laughs> I mean, it's that's, bizarre, stilted dialogue in a different language. That's
0: mitigated by the fact that it's Greek. So, like, okay, yeah, maybe it's just the way they talk. When you hear it in English, it's like, oh, no, no, he, he really, um. <laughs> He really think this is our human he speaker? He
1: Yeah. <laughs> he wrote that. Uh, but let me ask you then, um, because you came into this with 10 years of what the media and what the popular opinion of what the superhero movie should be. Yeah. So did when you walked into something unbreakable, what were you expecting?
0: I Because I knew that it was a superhero movie, mm-hmm. air quotes. So that's what I was expecting. Whereas... I know that people walking at the time didn't expect it the next like, psychological thriller or... Yeah. Something. Um,
1: like, when it was... When it released and I watched it in the theatres, I had no idea that it was going to be like a parable on the superhero mythos. And it became one. And that's what I loved about it. But I think also at the same time, uh, like, this movie didn't do very well. In and fact, I could mm-hmm.
0: see yeah.
1: why, because... It wasn't the next sixth sense.
0: Yeah, it's one of those... Those movies where you know it's good, but you have a hard time enjoying it, if that makes sense. I, I know what you mean. It's like, I can't understand the artistry behind it. I can understand the story you're trying to tell. That but is
1: literally how I feel about Blade Runner 2049. <laughs> yeah. I know it's a good movie, but I just refuse to like it. Or Black Panther, you also... No, that's a shitty movie. Um, okay, <laughs> we're not having this the discussion f- again. The fact that it's, winning, it's getting Oscar nominations... Seven... What? Well, I mean. really? Yeah. Over Roma? Over The Favourite? Over Mandy? Mandy didn't get any nominations? like yeah. Even for like, no, I, I have, I have things to say about Ma- Andy getting no love. I mean, it's the same things I want to say about Matt Max Fury getting zero love as well. Yeah. It lost, like, The Revenant, that's not that good.
0: Yeah, in the words of the guy who made A Way Out, fuck the Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, back to Unbreakable. Um, It, it wasn't, was what i was expecting but then i don't know what the fuck i was expecting i just kind of went in and said i need to watch this because i need to talk about it which is the most cynical ass way to watch a movie but i think i started to enjoy myself more once we had the confrontation where his son is pointing his gun Mm. at him which is it's a commentary on so many different things at the same time it's, you know, the confrontation of accepting who you are. It's the ultimate division between father and son and how they view the world. It's a commentary on gun violence before we really start talking about gun violence, even.
1: Probably n- not so much for me.
0: Well, I mean, I, to me, this is something so... I, I read into it from a modern perspective. And, but You could say the same about any art. You can read any message you want into it if you look hard enough.
1: I would say this. Um, for me, that scene in particular is more on a... Like, it's, it's, it's about faith. Yeah. And the thing is... Uh, an ultimate rejection of someone's faith in you. And also at the same time, Unbreakable does have a lot of very biblical uh, parallels at the same time. Like, uh, they made this David Dunn character to be more like a Jesus figure.
0: Yeah, but the kind of really reluctant one, it's, it's the Jesus,
1: uh, the night before his betrayal. Mm. And it's basically like Does he have enough faith in himself to allow his son to pull the trigger? And he doesn't. But also at the same time, there is this hesitation because he doesn't want to disappoint his son who really needs to believe that his father is a superhero. Yeah,
0: because it's also the first time he's been able to kind of talk to his son because Mm -hmm. it's very clear that this is a man so cordoned off from everything in his life. Yeah. Like, his life has been nothing but disappointment. I mean, it's the standard a sport hotshot who never had a career because of one injury
1: yeah but also at the same time which you find
0: out later he did just to keep the girl which is kind of like (laughs) or at the same time you (laughs) dumbass like you say that she wouldn't have been still been with you as a footballer do you know how much money they fucking
1: make uh Sure, and like, if he yes, had known you d- he was a superhero, he would yeah. have zero concussions. Exactly, like, you wouldn't
0: <laughs> even have to, like, wipe up his uh, blood just vomit or, like, you know, cower in fear when he has his psychotic episodes.
1: But, I mean, like, w- as much as you had problems, I won't say problems, you had a little bit of trouble going through. It also
0: doesn't help that uh, I was watching this with my lovely wife. Your wife? <laughs> who uh, definitely did not enjoy this movie at all.
1: So she was expecting capes and I like, don't
0: know she flying. wasn't no she only watched it because I said I need to watch it and she went okay fine I'll watch it with you
1: and I think I kind of held a hostage a bit to the movie. I kind of uh, feel like if I'm ever in that situation and the person comes in to watch it with you I would expect them to be like you know I need to really pay attention right I can't <laughs> I can't be distracted yeah
0: I mean but it, it wasn't super egregious like the only at one point did I have. Have to kind of say, I don't know either. Let's carry on watching and then we'll have the answers. But I mean, besides all that, there were definitely highlights to that movie. Mm -hmm. I'd say the final fight when he goes full on superhero moments was great because it was also not the kind of superhero fight you expect. Because he's not throwing punches. He's just, you know. He's fighting like a normal guy. Yeah, holding onto a dude and. There's no superhero poses. Using the fact that he can't be hurt to his advantage like he just can't be thrown off like, He's being hit in the face smashed against stuff and he's just holding on because he's a persistent motherfucker mm. and you know M. Night Shyamalan gets a lot of uh, flack for his twists the twist at Unbreakable is downright amazing yeah I'm gonna say that and it's just terrifying because it transforms Samuel L. Jackson's character, who was this kind of weird but kind of endearing character, to one of the most sinister creatures in cinema.
1: Yeah, so it's the Lex Luthor to Superman.
0: Yeah, but it's just it's the kind of thing where you didn't know it was Lex Luthor until the very last second.
1: Yep. I would also say, like especially the fact that uh, Samuel L. Jackson, I mean, probably one of his best performances. Oh yeah. B, because it's very hard to see him feeble.
0: Yeah, to see someone powerless and, and this and,
1: is him after Die Hard with a Vengeance after Pulp Fiction this is Samuel Jackson becoming Samuel Jackson
0: was this before or after Rules of Engagement
1: definitely well, I can't really tell
0: I think it was after
1: I think it was after also
0: yeah so like even then when he's just literally in a courtroom he's intimidating as fuck because he's an ex-marine you should, did you see A Time
1: to Kill no. It's the one where he plays a father who is tried for the murder of his uh not he the murder of his daughter's rapist. And oh. it's it's a race thing. It has Matthew McConaughey, he and Sandra Bullock as his defenders. It has Ooh. the iconic line, uh like when they when they asked him Like, do you regret killing those boys? It's like, yes, I hope they... uh, Yes, they they deserve to die and I hope they burn in hell. That's (laughs) the line. (laughs) So it's like... Fantastic. I mean, yeah, but also at the same time, it's like, to me, this is one of my favourite Samuel L. Jackson performances because you don't see Samuel L. Jackson, which is the problem you see with a lot of current Samuel L. Jackson performances. Like, you can say something like Kingsman was the closest thing to him not being recognisable. But it's
0: still because people went in going, oh, it's fun to see uh, Nick Fury have a lisp.
1: Yeah, and it's just gonna be very weird because like a lot of people, like the joke people make about glasses, like oh, it's just Nick Fury and Professor X finally together. <laughs> it's like yeah, we get it. The, yeah, the but fan fiction writes itself.
0: Yeah, but it's like, but that's after the fact, so you know you can't blame the movie for that. That's you know your modern reading into the character,
1: or you're just an idiot. Like yes, these are actors; they're playing make believe people. Yeah, <laughs> and or you can always just say not all black people look the same.
0: <laughs> yeah as that one newscaster found out when he asked him about the Super Bowl commercial oh man you bring that up
1: <laughs> I'm not Lawrence Field. <laughs> yeah we all don't look the same
0: <laughs> and also when he tried to change the subject oh hell no you can't walk away from this
1: <laughs> yes
0: oh that was beautifully awkward so, but one last thing I want to say about Unbreakable it was the movie that made me realise I hate the sound of bone crunching really that's the noises when he was falling down the stairs mm, when he was chasing after the guy with the gun yeah like mm. that physically made made my bones hurt just hearing
1: that that and the fact that Samuel Jackson can deliver pain yeah well in this movie he can in this movie every other movie he seems indestructible yeah mm.
0: like even when he's meant to be in pain in later movies he's kind of like mm.
1: Well, he is technically able to come back from the dead according to the Avengers movies. Yeah, well, Super (laughs) Spy, they've been doing that shit for years. But anyway, for me, um, Unbreakable has a very different effect because I watched it before the current trend of superhero movies. And to me, this is definitely... I mean, Quentin Tarantino says that this is one of the best deconstructions of the Superman mythos. And the fact is, like, this movie asks the question, what if Superman existed but he didn't know he was Superman? and like, yeah. I thought that was brilliant and I when I watched this movie for the first time I did not understand why people didn't like it as much as I did and I understood that a lot of people felt kind of disappointed because everybody was expecting another six Sense, and like they were kind of it was
0: definitely marketed as something akin to that
1: yeah I mean like the the people behind the marketing decided to make it more like a psychological thriller where I think I'm Not Shyamalan himself actually wanted it to be marketed as kind of a superhero movie
0: yeah I mean back then he was big enough money to get a passion project but not big enough money to control his marketing
1: but then at the same time you also have to understand this is 1990s money like disney paid five million dollars for the spec script alone which is bonkers which is bonkers because it's like even a million dollars for a spec script is like unheard of to this day
0: yeah shit. i mean the guy who wrote dr strange still lives in that small house in austin
1: <laughs> maybe or no he maybe?
0: does i've seen him <laughs> actually i, I took i've talked with him on twitter nice guy
1: Cool. Anyway, so Unbreakable to me is like the first postmodern superhero movie because it not only plays with the the conventions of the superhero story, but also at the same time, it plays very well with your expectations. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I would understand, like, I understand why M. Night Shyamalan likes to do movies with twists because I think that's his entire shtick. It's, it's the kind of,
0: he enjoys the abrupt left turn.
1: Uh, like, I think he is the kind of filmmaker who likes to treat every uh, project as like a magic trick. It's all about the setup. It's yeah. all about, not the decoy. What's the word I'm looking for? Base and switch? Not say the bait and switch, uh, but the diversion. That's the there word I was go, looking yeah. for. So it's like, he, he wants, he sets up a premise. Then he diverts your attention. Then when he reveals what it is that he wanted to say, but it's hidden. and miss. There's yeah.
0: always hints if you're paying close attention.
1: Which is what I love because I love movies which forces me to like soak in all the details rather than like just sit there and like let things happen.
0: Yeah, when Unbreakable when he keeps mentioning those three incidents like a lot of incidents happen. Why are you focusing on these three big things? Like I guess maybe it was a shit year or something for Mm. accidents but still.
1: But in the end like oh yeah by the way I did those things. (laughs) Spoilers for a movie that came out all the way back in 2000 almost 20 years ago. He's billed as the villain in glass I mean come on yeah and also at the same time like the strange thing is when i went walking to glass i can i saw a lot of people who went there and i'm pretty sure they never saw unbreakable to them they thought there was like another superhero movie yeah because there's a lot of people who live the theater scratching their heads but then again this is a singaporean audience so i can't say much well.
0: I, the, I, I don't want to be too rude about the country where i'm living but uh go for it y- yeah there's some dumb motherfuckers in the so once there's dumb motherfuckers everywhere. Oh yeah, but it's like they're loud motherfuckers and there's nothing quite like a go you? What's that, huh? <laughs> to really like ruin the magic of a movie.
1: So anyway, um, my point, I mean what I want to summarize is basically Unbreakable is uh, I mean, I kind of agree that this is his best movie. I do not really think Sixth Sense is that. I mean in terms of originality, in terms of execution. I would say Unbreakable did a lot more ambitious things and pulled off more things.
0: I think it's a good time capsule of what Adam Shemalan was at mm. that point in his career.
1: I also would say it's also proof that uh, a strong postmodernist superhero movie can exist. I mean, other evidence does incu- uh, include like Watchmen, Dark Knight, yeah, ass to some extent. But yeah, at the end, it's like it's also kind of sad for me to know that there isn't a really big market for this because it's very hard to kind of sell these movies to studios unless you promise to do it for really cheap
0: and also the problem is that this kind of movie uh, expects a degree of I don't want to say intelligence but kind of like um, common sense in the viewer Yeah. that it, it needs to treat the audience with respect which it needs. A, you need a certain sensibility which doesn't sell unfortunately like you know what sells
1: Transformers yeah. movies yeah <laughs> Transformers movie sales. So uh, speaking of Transformers movies, let's transform <laughs> into another character. Probably the best
0: character uh, examination.
1: <laughs> character examination. Mm. I would say uh, so Split. much later, 2016, 16 years after Unbreakable, this movie comes out of nowhere.
0: Yeah, I mean, people say that this is his big comeback, although he already got some acclaim with The Visit two years before the year
1: before it's the one where the kids realize that their grandparents are kind of crazy people right
0: oh it turns out that's actually not their grandparents it's just two escaped um i like uh, it when it keeps
1: it simple actually yeah
0: and it's also a found footage movie which i think got ruined by the fact that you had a 10 year old white boy
1: rapper over the end credits Mm. so you know but i think um like the visit was fine but when split happened okay so shall we address the First, that this is an unintentional, unbreakable sequel.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe it was intentional, such unintentional. We don't know how far Shyamalan because planned Because I would this.
1: say it's unintentional. Like, the proof is easy. Is basically, if you remove the last 5-10 minutes of it, it the movie still n- works. Yeah, and it doesn't, a even if it's not set in the same u- universe, it, it doesn't feel like it needs... Uh, it doesn't feel like it's supplemental to the The other movie the closest
0: connection is that it's still based in Philadelphia
1: but all his movies are based in Philadelphia that's one of his trademarks because it's cheap to film there (laughs) maybe maybe he gets the hometown uh, tax break
0: yeah which is weird because like I'm surprised he wasn't able to film Unbreakable
1: at the Eagles um stadium but whatever I think it was called something else back then yeah this is before the team got bought over but I'm too sure Uh, don't ask me about football asking fans I mean American football ask me anything about football I still don't like it (laughs) but uh, so Split comes out in 2016 and um, maybe Cedric Tom what are your thoughts on Split I think James McAvoy
0: is one of the best if not top five actors of our generation to prove the point, he was able to play not one, not two. 23. Yeah, 20. Th- well, 22 for most of the film, but 23 distinct
1: personalities. But like only five had more screen time. Yes. Yeah, but they were
0: very distinct characters. I mean, from the very intimidating Dennis who does the abducting to the OCD matriarch Patricia to the adorable Hedwig. <laughs>
1: That's my favorite one. <laughs> yeah. Him as headbreak. Like I buy him as a seven-year-old kid when he does this. Oh, for
0: nine-year-old, but still. Nine-year-old? Yeah. yeah.
1: Is he a nine-year-old in Glass?
0: Yeah, he's perpetually nine years old. Oh,
1: yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, they, they have a line where he's like, yeah. You're nine years old forever. I guess says
0: superpowers. Like, okay, come on. <laughs> mm. uh,
1: but also at the same time, what are your thoughts on the fact that this was originally intended for Joaquin Phoenix?
0: Uh, much as I love Joaquin Phoenix, I don't think he could have done the role justice. Do you think so? No, because Joaquin Phoenix is good at intense roles, but I don't think he could have sold the disparate personalities as well as McAvoy.
1: I think the thing Joaquin Phoenix could not pull off would definitely be the Hedwig character, because he's just physically very intimidating. Yeah, and there's just something about the way like I think McAvoy is quite small,
0: which helps.
1: He looks big as the beast, sir.
0: (laughs) Yeah, camera work does a lot. Like Tom Cruise looks big in most of his movies. I mean, he's shredded. The guy's big. Oh no, Tom Hardy's big in that
1: sense as well. Despite
0: being five foot five.
1: True that, but I mean, like there's something about McAvoy's face that when he turns on that sweet, charming. He's got a very
0: mm -hmm. very elastic, expressive face, but he's also got. Fairly big nose and very steely
1: Scottish eyes. You say that. You, you can say that. <laughs> very big nose.
0: Mm-hmm. Nah, I'm not saying he's Jewish.
1: Neither am I. <laughs> I, won't, I won't tell a person he's got a big nose. You got a big nose, sir. What? <laughs> I've got a big nose. Sure. Uh, but, so, I mean, at the same time, it's like, Joaquin Phoenix, I mean, um, okay, this is me speculating, but I think he dropped out of the movie because he went to Woody Allen. Which, hey,
0: you know, at that time, Shyamalan, Allen, Shyamalan, Allen. I know which one I'll choose. Yeah, Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, every actor would definitely... If you have the chance to work with Scorsese, uh, Woody Allen, or, like... Spielberg. Or Tarantino, like, yeah, that is definitely, you know, the gravy train right there. Plus,
0: Phoenix has already worked with Shyamalan before with
1: Signs, so maybe he was like, I
0: don't need to do this again.
1: Probably. But then again, um, good luck. I mean, the thing is, it's... You always don't realize that the actor who passed on it would never have the same success as the actor who did it. Yeah. Because, like, imagine The Matrix, but instead of Ken Reeves, it's Will Smith.
0: No, Will Smith. Mm-hmm. Like, he can't pronounce the TH properly. Will Smith. Smith. That's why he's Earth.
1: <laughs> Welcome to Earth. <laughs> Welcome to Earth. Earth AD. Or, uh, After Earth. Instead of
0: Vega Mortensen, would have had Stuart Townsend as Aragon.
1: Really? Yeah. That might actually still work, though, I think.
0: <laughs> yeah. Although. After seeing Green Book, I'm happy that Mortensen got the kick that that movie that movie trilogy gave his career.
1: Do mm. You didn't like Green Book? I loved Green Book. Really?
0: Yeah, me too. It was brilliant. Uh, we, we'll talk about Green Book another uh, we'll episode. we'll do it for the Oscar episode yeah.
1: because like I got a boon to pick with a lot of nominations.
0: Oh for sure, but definitely deserved nominations both for Mahershala Ali and Viggo Mortensen.
1: But I don't think they should win.
0: They shouldn't. Mm, I would, wouldn't mm. mind Vigo winning because I, I feel like, I feel like he's owed one, but Mahershala's already won one. He doesn't he doesn't need it. I think
1: I would like for him to get two back to back.
0: It'd be good to have him two back to back. But I'm trying to think who would lose out from him winning, mm. and I think that other people deserving as well.
1: I agree. I mean, we'll do an entire Oscars episode for that. Yeah. But like, speaking of performances, what are your thoughts on James McAvoy?
0: Jesus Christ, like, I, he is just brilliant, just absolutely masterful to go from intimidating to vulnerable to pleasant just in snaps and yes you should expect actors to be able to do that that's what they're paid to do but you very rarely get to see actors do that without any kind of transition mm. just instantaneously
1: like for me one of my favorite scenes with uh, McAvoy is definitely towards the end where um the the final victim reveals that okay if you just say his name yeah then the other personality comes out and you just see him turn it off like
0: the original the actual personality person, Kevin Kevin yeah
1: and and Kevin and what I admire especially is the fact that there is a very clear distinction between the personalities it isn't oh, just sure. small inflections or nuances it's definitely a guy who has a uh, fully fleshed out and formed all these uh characters in his head. And, um, I mean, like, the thing is about Split is, like, I loved it as a psychological horror. Yeah. And I loved that scene, especially when... Like, I didn't expect it, but when he actually climbed the wall. Yeah, I mean... And it entered that supernatural territory.
0: Like, it it looks a little bit goofy. You think so? Uh, I mean, put it this way. Someone um, put up a video saying, uh, basically, a scene from Split is just a cat climbing up uh, a wall the same way. It's like, Mm -hmm. okay, yeah, I mean...
1: Like, now that image is in my head. Like for me, it's uh, because this whole show is so grounded in reality. Yeah. And it's all about like, you know, uh, addressing a, a mental disorder of like, and like, okay, sure. As someone who doesn't
0: have it or doesn't know anyone with split personality disorder, I can't say how accurate it is.
1: Now, I'm not saying about yeah. it being accurate. I'm just saying about how it's like, it treats it as something that is set in the real world. Yeah. And whenever they make all these aversions to this beast character being mm. beyond human, being superhuman, and then you actually see it, and that actually escalated the terror for me because then anything becomes possible yeah. in this world. Absolutely. Especially, it's like, once you see that, and then he eats the girls, Yeah. and then it became this next that level... That is not where I expected it to go. Exactly, and that's what I loved about it because in my, in my head, like I thought that was just a twist because basically it's like trying to like this doctor was just trying to convince this poor Kevin guy like no these are all just things in your head you need to be able to control them like the the metaphor they use is like to take the light yeah and at the same time it's like okay this is about you know like i thought it was going to be something like silence of the lambs yeah and it like it would end with basically some sort of like realization that you know the power to control all these characters, or basically, uh, you know, is it uh, nature or nurture which causes, like, these psychopathic tendencies, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, okay, I thought it was just going to be that kind of story. But instead, Shyamalan decides to, like, no, this is a full-on horror movie. Yeah. This guy is a monster. And then, like, because the thing is, right, you were rooting for the redemption arc from the beginning. Because, like, when you see the Hedgewick character, or when you even see something as, like, like even Dennis has some, like, uh, sympathetic... Uh, I, 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 he's a tough man who... You understand where he comes from. Yeah, but the, you, the thing is, like, they made him the most vile because he's the one who, like, okay, you go first. And then yeah. he has this perversion. Yeah. Okay, which the, And the thing is, like, but Patricia can keep him at, in check. Yeah. Like, then, the kind of matriarchal mm. attitude. And that's what I love is, like, they always establish that we can help Kevin. Yeah. Kevin, there is a way. And then, like, when he kills the doctor. Mm. And then, like, to me, like, okay, I... I kind of saw that coming, but in a sense that that would be, that would make the most sense in terms of narrative. Yeah. Or like where to take this story. But when you see him climb walls and eat people, it's like, oh, this is a horror movie all of a sudden. Yeah, because
0: I watched this in a hotel room in Laos, just to kind of set the scene. And I wasn't really paying attention until that point. I was like, the fuck is this movie becoming? It was brilliant. And I, I made me want to almost like cancel the plans for the evening just to like see where the hell I was going next, but you know we had reservations to fill.
1: Yeah, and then the thing is, it comes with the most tacked-on. Okay, uh, this is technically a circle because it has five minutes of Bruce Willis from the first Which, movie.
0: I'm glad I didn't see. I didn't. I didn't see it when I watched it.
1: Yeah, because I would say this right. Everybody talked about that more than the fact that we had nothing but a brilliant story. At because
0: um, here is my hot take. Fanboys are the literal fucking worst. Of course. Because
1: yeah. that's why we have six Transformers. Boys. Exactly. It's I like, mean, not fan, fanboys. Just people who want to see garbage. Yeah.
0: But like, fanboys because like you have all this amazing stuff. But then like, oh, there's one small thing because it touches the something I like. But, this is all I want to talk about. But then the thing is, we're talking about M. Night Shyamalan.
1: Yeah. Does he have fanboys? Yeah. Really? Well, I mean, I think they dwindle the numbers... I wouldn't call them fanboys. I mean, like, there are definitely some M. Night Shyamalan defenders or maybe apologists.
0: Well, I mean, I, where, where do you draw the line between fanboy and apologist?
1: Like, a fanboy is somebody who will complain that, okay, Peter Parker's not nerdy enough. Yeah. Like, that is fanboy. It's like, uh, like he, the kind of minutia that is irrelevant to the story. You know what I mean? Or like, nah, James Bond can never be born. It's like, shut up. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. That, to me, is a fanboy. Somebody who, like, it has to be their way. Okay. Whereas, like, for me, I'm more along the lines of... I'm not a defender or an apologist of El Night Shyamalan, but I am a kind of, I'm the kind of guy who thinks that some people should be able to get away with doing things their way, and you shouldn't necessarily give them hate. Because, like, say, for example, Lady in the Water, where everybody kind of brings up the point that this is just him, you know... Patting himself on the back and creating this like uh, this critic character for him to murder. Yeah, but also at the same time, like okay, I listen to a lot of hip hop artists and all they do is this people who criticize them and we celebrate those guys. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it's like I think it's kind of like um, like what I dislike most about the people who comment on Shyamalan's works is because they just bring up the one thing that he does and but be- that's what he does. Yeah, and like I said
0: at the top of the show, uh, there are plenty of other um directors who have their shtick and stick to it hard but Anderson and they get nothing but praise for it
1: at the same time it's like it becomes a matter of your ability to entertain or your ability to make money and Split made a goddamn lot of money it's 138 dollars the box office damn and it
0: definitely deserves it because still going yeah I mean we're talking a lot about McAvoy's character because you know fuck me that was great but all the other performances were great I mean most of the girls were just there to fulfill the victim role. They did the job they were paid to do.
1: They're basically fodder. Uh, <laughs> they're, literally, they're literally fodder.
0: But, <laughs> you know, uh, the woman who played Casey was, I think, very well cast.
1: Yes, she, she was amazing in The bitch. The Vavitch. Yeah. The Vavitch. Have you seen The v-vitch? Uh, No. Amazing movie. Uh, that I would definitely also recommend Thoroughbreds. But, okay, so, I think we've established the fact that we... Some we kind of like unbreakable we kind of love split yeah so okay let's go straight into our review of glass i know everybody's been waiting for it um so okay if i can go first uh, my right. initial take uh as i said before i like this movie i think it's terrible <laughs> but also at the same time i would say um as much as I like it, there's also that stinging sense of disappointment because of what has been set up before. Yeah. Yeah. And that's me speaking as a fanboy. Because mm-hmm. it's like, not, the thing is, when you raise expectations a certain way, like, um, having Split as a standalone movie would have been fine. Yeah. But you, they, they decided to make it part of the Eastreal, whatever universe. Yeah. So, okay, now we don't need to bring Bruce Willis back. And this is like, okay, Bruce Willis, his reputation at this point in time is, he's like the kind of actor like, I'm not going to pay money to watch him because it's either he doesn't care. Like, what was the last
0: movie we saw with him in it? Death
1: Wish. It was terrible. Yeah. It was terrible. Um, the last good movie I saw in was definitely Moonrise Kingdom, by Wes Anderson. Yeah. And, you know, even then, that's,
0: I consider that one of the weaker Wes Anderson movies. Mm-hmm. Like relying too hard on a shtick rather than, you know, the story you're trying to tell.
1: Or Moonrise Kingdom?
0: Yeah. What's the shtick? Well, just, just the Wes Anderson shtick. Like, you know,
1: the, the, the symmetrical shots,
0: the like,
1: the quirky characters. I would give that more to Life Aquatic. Life yeah. Aquatic is pure shtick, because yeah. that story doesn't make any sense. Which is why I love it, also.
0: <laughs> True, but I, I would say compare that to Grand Budapest, which is where I think that is uh,
1: at its most refined. Grand Budapest still loses to Royal Tenenbaums, to me. Royal Tenenbaums, which to is, is like, like... Gene Hackman in that role was amazing.
0: Like, probably one of the last times
1: Gene Hackman was good in the movie. he literally retired after that that's his last movie no return to moose town was his last movie yeah welcome to moose i totally forgot about that man i think he tries to forget as well wow he he, what a way to not go out on a bang
0: well you know sean connery uh retired after leave extraordinary gentleman
1: that movie was shit though (laughs) i loved it how old were you again (laughs) seven the right age yep you were the right age for that movie (laughs) so anyway uh so glass happens so we bring back all these characters from uh these two okay fantastic movies for me uh and okay like when they advertised this i thought okay now this is an opportunity for them to have like you know the supervillain kind of uh, yeah and like you really like the samuel jackson arc in unbreakable Mm -hmm. and like okay here's a potential for them to do more with him yeah. And th- like, okay, so he is a guy who is physically unable to match with the David Dunn character. But what if oh, we paired him up with the guy from Split? Think of the possibilities. And then we, we get, get
0: 10 minutes of cool and then an hour and 40 minutes of, of therapy. Yeah, and not even good therapy. Mm. Uh, the most tedious therapy and this is me speaking as a lover of Sarah Paulson and her work Mm -hmm. she
1: was so uninspiring in this movie Mm, yeah it's the is the curse of the Shyamalan still delivery or is it I mean I think it's
0: it's definitely that because she was she's brilliant in American Horror Story and she killed her as Marsha Black in American Crime Story yeah I agree and uh, I mean she was enjoyable in Ocean's 8.
1: But she was very forgettable in Ocean's 8.
0: Also was pretty much everyone else. <laughs> Apart from um, uh, What's the name
1: of the Asian girl? Come on. Do you remember? Aquafina. See? Yeah. And who is the lead actress? Uh, Sandra Bullock. And?
0: Uh, Galadriel.
1: <laughs> Kate Blanchett. There we go. I <laughs> mean... That movie made you forget Kate Blanchett. <laughs> I know she's an amazing actress. Sir. I am
0: so sorry, Kate Blanchett. Please, please forgive me.
1: You're taking carte Blanche or Kate Blanchett? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Ooh. I mean, I mean, were you as disappointed as me when you saw Glass?
0: I wasn't disappointed because I didn't enjoy Unbreakable as much as you did. Mm. Um, again, don't know if it was my headspace for it's me or context. Yeah, yeah. So I went in. And also, I'd heard some of the more negative aspects of it from certain critics, so I didn't go in with many expectations. And I knew it was kind of long, and there were parts of it which were kind of boring. And so, expecting it, I wasn't disappointed, but I was still kind of like, looking at my watch, kind of going, so, is uh, something going to happen? Are we going to get a moment? Nope. Yeah, it definitely
1: suffers from a lot of pacing issues, especially with the scenes in the, the facility.
0: So the movie pretty much
1: yeah because it's like when they showed that in the trailer i thought that would be like some cool moment where the three of them get to kind of uh, act off each other before the big finale
0: yeah and i feel like some people are gonna say oh it's a blumhouse movie there's a limited budget there's so much you can do upgrade is a blumhouse movie and that's batshit craziness mm-hmm. differences you have to spend however millions of dollars to get bruce willis to not act in your movie
1: uh, yeah, but you have to also understand that this movie came with a 20 million dollar budget which is very that modest is, in today's time but
0: it's also probably the most generous Blumhouse uh, budget
1: really? I think no Upgrade was definitely more expensive Upgrade I think was 30 million 30 million yeah yeah
0: but also they had a no name as the lead, so you could spend it all on special on effects, on the effects, yeah, yeah,
1: and the camera work. But the thing is, like when you have a uh, Bruce Willis in your movie, that is half the budget right there. Yeah, I mean, I'm and sh- he does half the things. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and I'm pretty sure you can get
1: Sam Jackson to uh, sign for uh, scale. No, no, not Sam Jackson. Yeah. Sam Jackson is not. He his- does.
0: Mm, I I think
1: unless you're like Spike Lee or Tarantino, he will not work for scale for you. Maybe Shyamalan. The thing is, uh, Shyamalan and him don't really have a really working relationship other than like Unbreakable. Um, maybe
0: Jason Blum spoke to him. I don't know.
1: Yeah, maybe Jason Blum spoke to him.
0: But what is has he done? A Blum movie? No, right. He must have done maybe one of the early Blumhouse movies.
1: Like what, Black Snake Moon? No, there was there was Snakes that on a there was
0: that weird like kind of suburbia-esque movie that he did where he was the crazy black neighbour to this white uh, this mixed race couple in a suburban LA I
1: think I I know what you're talking about I just can't recall the title right now yeah but still um, so on a modest budget of $20 million it made bank it made yeah. $50 million back in the first opening weekend. which I think
0: a lot of it is people going, going oh I can't wait to see Split again uh you kind
1: of do because yeah. it starts with literally the best part about Split. And he
0: is still the shining pilot uh, of this movie. Okay. Yeah, James he, McAvoy is definitely the best part of this movie, hands down.
1: Okay, I agree with you.
0: Yeah, I mean, even the return of Mr. Glass was hampered by the fact that, okay, we're going heavy into
1: spoilers because this movie's been out for a long time. Do you want to spoil it straight away or do you want to kind of discuss... No, you want to spoil right now? Uh,
0: okay, I'll, I'll save it. Uh, but... There's a reason why we see a bit less of what made Mr. Glass great and Unbreakable. Definitely. Um, but yeah, McAvoy, definitely the highlight. Uh, the last uh, scene, even though it was not what was being set up, was enjoyable in its own right. I agree. And kind of made it a believable, grounded superhero confrontation.
1: Yeah, which is what... I mean, um, like you also have to talk about the intention of this movie because... The expectation I think a lot of people had was that this was going to be like a Marvel movie because...
0: Yeah, people definitely went in expecting that. Not seeing the made by Blumhouse Pictures (laughs) logo.
1: No, that's not a Marvel logo on the front. I'm sorry. It is um like for me when I was walking into the movie, I really wanted something very cerebral and very much uh, you know, like a dissection on what is the current movie trying to superheroes. A thesis. I wanted Unbreakable too. Yeah. Like I didn't really care that much for it being like tidying with Split to me Split is perfect on its own Mm -hmm. and to me Unbreakable is perfect on its own so I'm on the side of people who when we saw Unbreakable and for a lot of people like this is probably one of the smartest comic books slash superhero movies ever made
0: yeah but it's not based on a comic book is it? it's not
1: that's the genius of it because it uses the tropes it uses the excuses it uses the framework and it does it with original characters. Yeah. Whereas right now, it's like you have all these characters being like, you know, sold right back to you. Mm. All these trademarks and the thing is, you, they have the most boring stories, which infuriates me constantly.
0: Yeah. So it's as if uh, they had the secret meeting uh, 50, 50, 60 years ago. And said, Okay, we're all going to agree. This is the origin story, right? Agreed? Agreed? Agreed?
1: Agreed. Yeah. But then also, like, the thing is, all three movies... Are, no, not even the third one. The third one also kind of works as an origin story.
0: Kind of?
1: Because it's an origin for the Sarah Paulson character, yes. which I hated because it kind of like, you know, it just ruined the rest of the movie for I, me. It's I, very rare for like the last 15 minutes of something yeah, to affect the first night. I
0: think she just doesn't work super well with uh, Shamanan's style.
1: I won't even say that. I would say that her motivation and her like her arc doesn't make sense at all.
0: Yeah, it's a poorly written character.
1: With a poorly written motivation. Yeah. Which, okay, we'll get into that once we start talking about spoilers. But also at the same time, it's like I was so happy with the first half of the movie because I kind of recognized it as Shyamalan setting up the premise Where basically, oh, we're going to give you a full-on, like, you know, superhero movie. And here's a fight scene about to happen and subvert expectations. Yeah. All of a sudden, we're introduced to Sarah Paulson. Puts them in the facility. And then she goes on and on about how... Okay, this is all in your head. Yeah. You're suffering delusions. Like Yeah. Did you see him throw a table? (laughs) Did you see him eat a woman? (laughs) You know how hard it is to bite into like a very, you know, dry steak? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but... Hey, uh, I have to give props to Glass having
0: a better warehouse fight than Batman v Superman.
1: Nah, I still give it to BVS. I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) No, No, the first one, not the one where Batman is laying into some dudes.
1: Oh, okay, okay. Oh, when he fights Superman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was what I was kind of hoping for, to see, like, you know, a real slobber knocker and, like, just, like, how strong are these guys? Yeah. And then, like, okay, uh, to me, it felt like, okay, we can't, you know, let's not come too soon. Yeah. Let's, like, maybe tease a little bit more and, like, okay, how are we going to slip Glass in? <laughs> and then when they do slip the glass you don't
0: slip glass in when you're masturbating. No, I don't. I'm
1: talking about glasses in the character. <laughs> you know, or maybe a glass of wine. I slip in a glass of wine every once in a while. But anyway, so, okay, we can't just have that. Okay, we need to, you know, let's redefine the world. Yeah. Because the first thing I notice is like when Bruce Willis's son starts talking... His acting has improved. <laughs> oh, for sure. But then he was, what, 12, 13 in the first movie? True that. But also at the same time, it felt like a different character. But yeah. at the same time, it also kind of feels like, um, okay, we're going to establish them as Batman and Robin. Mm. Or, okay, more accurately, Batman and Oracle. Yeah. Because he doesn't go and fight with him. Okay. So, okay, we have that dynamic. And then we give them, basically, um, to me, like, uh, Kendall, uh, uh, Kevin's character, he is more or less Killer Croc. He's yeah. Just this force of nature that he needs to stop.
0: Yeah. Point of order The Killer Croc, not in Suicide Squad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> okay. And then at the same time, okay, we can't, you know, okay, let's not just turn it into a simple superhero movie. And then, okay, now comes the part where we, you know, okay, now it's going to be an ana- analysis on the superhero trend. Yeah. And I saw what he was doing with it. That. And that's the part I liked a lot. Because to me, like he was commenting on the things that I dislike about a lot of Marvel movies, about how things are very formulaic, things are very predictable. There's like there's even a scene where Mr Glass is, This is gonna happen, this is gonna happen. Yeah. We're gonna go here and It was pretty
0: on the nose, I must say.
1: At the same time it's like I enjoyed it. As much as it is on the nose, I still kind of respect like okay, it is unbreakable too. Yeah. To an extent where it's okay, it's commentary on what it is that everybody's watching and okay i was fine with that and then hey uh, okay i don't know is anything else you want to add because now is nothing but spoilers for
0: me. uh i think we've talked about most of the stuff that we can talk about without going into spoilers mm. uh so yeah i guess uh let's just launch the, the spoilers with this the twist was fucking dumb it
1: was <laughs> like the twist was dumb the mcguffin the last 20 minutes kind of ruined it for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, first of all, the twist that Sarah Paulson knows that the superheroes, not just that, but she's part of this secret organisation who's killing off superheroes because it's unfair. <laughs> unfair? Unfucking fair Jumper (laughs) which also had Samuel Jackson had a better fucking motivation for killing them off
1: or we can even point out to X-Men where basically the anti-mutant like you know people are because it's not fair because why can't we you guys are special at least then
0: because it's racism like Mm. fair enough this one is just like I want it therefore you can't have it
1: is that a commentary on maybe what do you think I think what aspect of society is that commenting on
0: uh i think is it it classism
1: or is it more
0: no i think this is uh more a kind of it's definitely something which is you find in a lot of working class communities in the uk i don't know how prevalent it is in the states but Mm -hmm. the kind of the feeling of you are not allowed to make it Mm -hmm. that go on to be successful that you are casting yourself out of the community and that you are not allowed to have this escape that you're not allowed to how dare you escape this perpetual struggle that we're in what makes you get to have this blessed time
1: because also at the same time for me I
0: also which kind of makes sense in like the Philadelphia setting sorry uh,
1: probably yeah but like for me it feels more like you know it's unfair like to me it felt more like a commentary on I would say how people view rich people because the thing is now they're presented in a way where like the the elite and the powerful like the illuminati or the secret Mm -hmm. organization of Probably wealthy people because if you look at the restaurants they hang out in, yeah. Like, okay, that's a, also a reading you could put into it. Yeah, at the same time, it's like you no, know, that's how we make them hateable, in a sense yeah. because it's very easy to uh, to hate upper class people.
0: Well, yeah, because they're mostly but, monsters.
1: Yeah, but like I would say, like if you were to uh, use parables and comic book movies, like say, um, like a good example would be the Court of Owls in the Batman story where there is a secret organization trying to like, you know, put a stop to Batman because, you know, we can't have you messing with our agenda.
0: Yeah. Or, I mean, to a, not quite the same but I guess Hydra as well would be the... Yeah, but
1: Hydra wants to do world domination. Yeah, which is
0: more like the standard like...
1: uh, Yeah, and to them like, the Avengers are definitely going to be a problem whereas like, for me it's like, um, if you didn't go after the superheroes wouldn't you still kind of fine? i i guess
0: maybe it's part of like they're just like the front of another organization which yeah. tries to like control the world and if you have
1: people who can't be controlled then it's dangerous but also at the same time um besides that like the the one thing i also want to kind of address is sarah paulson is in the movie for too long and she's in the movie for too long because we needed to set up the ending
0: yeah it's so, like mm-hmm. I really don't like it when people follow this line of thought in movies. Like, oh, you can't think of this person as a credible villain unless you see a lot of their face. Who is probably the most sinister, like, man in the shadows in, like, modern movies?
1: At this point time? Yeah, John Doe from Seven. John Doe from Seven would definitely be one of them.
0: Yeah. Like, we feel his mark throughout the entire movie and he's there for 10 minutes max mm. on screen.
1: Yeah, I agree, I agree. Uh, But also at the same time, it's like, again, it's basically M. Night uh, Shyamalan's trademark where we need to set up a premise because of the twist. So if she's here long enough, you kind of, uh, you know, reinforce your, you know, your perception that, oh, she's not a threat.
0: Maybe it's because when her big reveal happened, she was still kind of like, I just want to say, touch my hand. Yeah. (laughs) It's, now
1: you know the it's secret. not fair
0: for you to exist we've been doing this for 10,000 years Which doesn't it's make gonna care like if you're going to make her be a ruthless killer buy into the ruthless killer mm. have have that same transformation of that that woman from get
1: out anyway like, exactly exactly because like here's the the evidence that that twist doesn't work. Is basically when they reveal towards the end of the movie that a lot of these uh, police officers had this secret tattoo, the three-leaf clover. Like that, you can't even get the bar. The club. Right. <laughs> you got the club. You don't even get the four-leaf clover. Yeah, like, come
0: on, you. It's a club, and you meet in a secret building yeah, where you but have to be a member. At the same mm. time, like
1: the first thought that enters your mind is basically, So, what does that mean? Mm. Why are we focusing on this? And then apparently, she has the, the mark too. And then, like, she's in on something. And then, like, when they reveal that, uh, actually, we are a top secret cabal, and our whole purpose is to kill superheroes. Your world, your universe, Mr. Shyamalan, only established these three. You did not establish enough of a threat from other villains or other superheroes to warrant the existence of this.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you hinted at the wider universe, you mm-hmm. are building this from scratch. You need to have more padding.
1: I wouldn't even say padding.
0: Well, I mean it's like you need to line it more the foundation you... yeah. needs
1: to be way stronger for you to even deserve this kind of twist ending. So like to me that is definitely the weakest part of the glass movie was that it's if you're building a you...
0: your house on sand. Exactly. Much.
1: And like like more evidence if you removed it the movie would have worked so much better. Oh, just yeah. them, like, you know, just that unceremonious, okay, yeah, all three of them die at the end of the movie. And if it just ended there, that movie would have been fine. Yeah, and then just
0: have, you know, the uh, uh, Glass's mother, uh, Casey, and yeah. uh, Joe Dunn just living with the aftermath of that. Like, we were touched by these brilliant, well, brilliant individuals, and now we have to live in a world without Special them. Special individuals. But, yeah. like,
1: think of it this way, because, like, why I say this is because imagine how beautifully ambiguous that ending would be. Yeah. Because the thing is, she, in her own mind, is she kind of facing a sort of delusion where she refuses to believe that, you know, things like this could exist. And she's going against three other individuals who rightfully, like, are also doubting their abilities.
0: Yes. Yeah. I mean, that would have been a great twist that she's the one who's fucking deluded.
1: Exactly. That was what I was hoping for. And no, like when she revealed, I've always known you guys existed. It is our duty to stop you. like, What? Yeah. You chose this ending? I mean, if
0: she could have stayed looted the entire time, even when she saw it happen and say, no, I don't believe it, then it could be a commentary about, I don't know, anti vaxxers or (laughs) whatever.
1: (laughs) Or even more Shyamalan fans. You should have just believed in me. You didn't believe in me. I shall destroy you. Mm -hmm. But,
0: I mean, even that twist pales. Pales in comparison to the last five minutes with Mr. Glass's reveal of, I put it all. I streamed it to a private <laughs> server and then I'm going to put it on YouTube. So suddenly there'll cool. be superheroes everywhere because... Uh, because that's how people believe things. Because
1: videos unlock your superpowers? Mm, I don't know. Because people believe everything they see on YouTube apparently. Like, oh, this YouTube video shows me that this guy can actually climb walls or he can like, like you know, bend steel bars. Must yeah, be real. As if in, <laughs> you know, in real life, the first comment would be, FAKE! fake news yeah, it's, it's like, like it's you can see the trace marks you can you can see where it doesn't quite track it's like shut up you know what I mean that, that I, okay yeah definitely the MacGuffin is the other problem with this movie because it does not establish that like okay maybe it's a twist in a twist itself because yeah. it that means that Glass knew that they existed before he set his other plan in motion. But see,
0: here's the thing. The only twist in a twist I enjoy are pretzels. <laughs> I, in a movie, it's just self-indulgence to the max. We should make
1: a pretzels movie just for you, yeah, sir.
0: Absolutely. Pretzel the movie.
1: <laughs> Starring James McAvoy as yeah, a pretzel. Just perfectly <laughs> salted. He was the kind of actor who would actually tie himself into a knot just to play a pretzel.
0: Oh no, you're giving me flashbacks to uh, <laughs> Climax. Mm. <laughs>
1: Anyway <laughs> Climax Oh the, the, the French movie Yeah I'm glad you watched that too I want to talk about that too, one day Yeah uh, So yeah You want to talk about MacGuffin even more? Uh, I mean what? How it like Glass knew that they existed And he Willingly Got Captured Or Okay he was actually At the end of Unbreakable He was sent to a uh, Mental facility For the criminally insane Yeah
0: because I He would have gotten away with it And like People would never have suspected him If he didn't let David touch his hand Yes I, he wanted to be... Well, I guess it t- ties into his character thing. I need to have a purpose. My purpose is to be the Lu- Lex Luthor, the arch-nemesis. The- Not only that,
1: because he's also definitely uh is very similar to the Joker, where mm-hmm. he needs something to complete him as a person. Yeah. Because if you're the smartest man in the world, like Ozymandias in Watchmen even had the same problem, where like, what's the point of being the smartest man in the world? If right you have literally will- no one to... To challenge me. Because
0: like, the closest like would be... Uh, Dr. Manhattan and he's fucked off to Mars so what and else he, am I going to do? is
1: beyond the point of like, like I don't even have human emotions because I don't see the point of it. Yeah. I exist in every time, space and dimension. You it's know? like
0: it's boring for me to pleasure my wife in 15 different ways at the same
1: time. So I'll just make another version of myself to, who, while who is I, also bored of yeah, doing it. While
0: I go and do something else while I'm still bored.
1: <laughs> because I can't exist in two different planes. Watch man. Hey, read the book. Watch the movie, uh, but okay. Also, we also do you want to bring up the logic problems? Because we have the logic problem of the cabal. We have the logic problem of glasses character. There is no way in hell, like that. Uh, yeah, he could have pulled any of that off in a way that made sense. Uh,
0: there's too much relying on coincidence Definitely. and chance that he needed. The beast will not tear him in half at the first sight of him.
1: Which means that he really needed for those three other characters not to appear. Yeah. Yeah. So, eh, no, But hey, everybody complains that, you know what? The Dark Knight? Like, how could the Joker plan that so perfectly? Well, he's an agent of chaos. He didn't plan it. That's yeah. just how it went and he and also, freestyled. There's a fan
0: theory that he's a former special special services uh, soldier, which we explain... How he knows to plant explosives and do tactical stuff.
1: I mean, not just that, but it's like, I mean, I would say in terms of narrative, is like, how is it that he's in the right place at the right time? He's not. He's just, you know, at that point of time, that's the thing he does that gets him out of that situation. He's a pure agent of chaos. On the other hand, Mr. Glass isn't an agent of chaos. He is very meticulous. Absolutely. He plans. He's a brilliant guy. He's so smart. Mm. All right. At the same time, you think to yourself, like, that's your best idea. Yeah. To stream a video? (laughs)
0: But that's the problem. A lot of movies don't do smartest man plans well.
1: Yeah, very rarely. Yeah. Like every James Bond villain. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I am... Leagues above you, Bond. I am super smart, whilst your brain is rattled by all the HIV that you've contracted <laughs> over
1: the years. I mean, like the the most egregious one is Skyfall, because basically the Javier Bardem character says to James Bond, "I can trigger a nuclear explosion anywhere, but I still in- intend to go to your house personally to try and kill you." When I cu-. didn't, you just admit you could have nuked. it like, you any could location? have just said. Ooh, that part is called, that looks
0: fairly just, where's Daenerys, ICBM? Ooh,
1: yeah. hello, Trident. There you go. You know, like, oh, Skyfall's right there. Bond's in there. Kill him now. Boom. No, I need to prove a point. Which is like, okay, I get it because um, what makes a lot of supervillains, how you say, like, if they're too good and it's too impossible to take them down, yeah. it's because they're still full of pride you, yeah. see, none which of is th- what I'm very annoyed with none because- of this
0: would happen if the arch nemeses were women because they're not burdened by this pride shit
1: are you sure they dress way more extravagantly <laughs> have you seen Female superhero costumes. <laughs> yes, I
0: have the ones drawn by
1: men, especially. <laughs> and then you have Batgirl. Mm, those boots look awesome. <laughs> but anyway, uh, now. But what I'm saying to say is this, right? Um, it's such a trope. But then, like, that's why I'm like so disappointed. Is because this is M Night Shyamalan pointing out the tropes in other superhero movies, whilst succumbing to the tropes themselves. Yeah. Whereas Unbreakable, it basically, you know, here are the tropes, and here are the ways that I would have done it differently. And then this one is like. Okay, but you do know that the trope of, like, you know, a supervillain who kind of, like, you know, succumbs to hubris, haven't we... Did you really want the smartest man in the world to do that? And it wasn't like, executed in a way well enough to make it excusable? Because, like, he had, to, he had to kind of supplant all these stupid things to make his twists happen. Yeah. Which is why like why I'm complaining, like, okay, sometimes... Uh, some direct, like, I did say that M. Night Shyamalan, this is your style. You need to have the twists. In this one, you decided to have three twists. One would have been fine. And even then, it was a questionable twist. It was a questionable twist. Hey, let me like... This is... Okay, like... Can I say how I wanted this movie to end? Go ahead. Because this is what I really wanted to happen. Because... Okay. Firstly, the logic problems ruined the movie for me. Because okay, like that scene with Kevin in his room and the lights. Yeah. Just close your eyes, boy. Or lift up the bed. Or lift up the bed and to block the lights. Like, how really? How does this technology work? Apparently, it works just that way. So immediately, lazy writing is happening. So I felt a little bit nervous because like everybody's saying like, oh, this is a movie nineteen years in the making. He didn't know Split was going to be a hit. Yeah. And he just basically you know stapled on that last five this minutes.
0: This movie actually, if you think about it, it, had a very quick turnaround because two, two years. years. Yeah. So. Maybe this was not fully fought through and also I think you mentioned earlier that uh filming uh the production uh, timeline was very short as well. Couple of months,
1: yeah. Tops because like how expensive do you think it is to hold Bruce Wills down for an entire like in you know, production schedule?
0: Oh shit, like Nick Fury's too busy being I even said Nick Fury. Sam
1: Jackson's too busy being a cameo in like five different movies. Well he's gonna be in Captain Marvel this year. True. But the young version of him, so maybe we just CGI him. but I mean like how I wanted the movie to end right it's like okay Sarah Paulson is just basically there to represent like the problem people have with superhero movies is like oh none of this makes sense people can fly people can punch through walls so like you know there are no rules and I love like the idea that she was the character who represented the naysayer yeah where it's basically like all your stories are stupid because people can do whatever they want and then like she represents that and for like for the twist for her to be the delusional one where well, no these people actually exist you're just blind to what is the true reality that would have been perfect yeah and like how we should have like you know done that is right they I agreed with having all three characters die yeah but I wanted like uh when the beast to attack uh David Dunn for him to drown him in that uh tank of water yeah and that's how he dies super unceremonious yeah because like everybody's hyping out the fact that and that would be just such an awful way to go as well and it's very deserving for Bruce Willis yes. <laughs> oh for sure <laughs> but also at the same time I would be like you know like there's an, a great way to solve expectation is basically okay th- we're all gearing up for this epic showdown and it doesn't happen because oh my god the beast is stronger than David Dunn he is breakable he dies and then at the end, we have Glass and uh, Kevin about to, you know, run rampage on the world. Okay, Sarah Paulson is now literally going insane because, oh my god, this shit is real. Yeah, She is slowly realizing that whatever she's been spouting to them is like basically the kind of puritanical thing that, you know, maybe an evangelical would say like, oh, this is not real. But what I believe is real. You know what I mean? And then we have her flattened out and just like, oh my god, the world is ending. I, like, you know, my eyes are wide open. This is the apocalypse. Uh So girl, Casey. Yeah. Approaches Kevin. Kevin Wendell Crumb. This is your last chance for redemption. They do the exact same thing. Yeah. Where she just touches him. He feels love and compassion from, like, human touch for the first time. And then he realizes that, oh my god, you know. So, I know it's a bit tropish. It was beauty that killed the beast. Yeah. But then, Sniper takes him out. We end the movie. Glass, like, no. Or, like, he tips over. And he falls down <laughs> the he, he, Exactly the way he goes out. You know, he just falls. And then, like, he breaks. Because, like, what is the point of hubris when you are you know, you you are as fragile as any snowflake? Yeah. Bam. Okay, all three of them. Super and ending. There is no continuation of the universe. You know, because what I hated about that ending especially is like
0: Because it sets up a chance to
1: have other work. characters in the whatever universe that this is supposed to be. Like, uh. and okay, I get it. You can't afford Bruce Willis anymore, or maybe he's gonna age out of this role and maybe Sam Jackson is like agreed to like, okay, I'll do it one more time. You know?
0: But I'm too busy catching my Marvel
1: checks. I'm too busy Yeah. Marvel checks. <laughs> but at the same time and James McAvoy is basically like, I'm gonna be in another X Men movie. <laughs> he's gonna be in Dark Phoenix, right?
0: Uh, he, yeah, well, he well, if he's he not was, too
1: busy, like, you know, cameoing in Deadpool too I mean, I'm calling it in
0: 20 years' time, he's gonna be one of those national treasures alongside Ian I McKellen.
1: Think he, I, I think he is the next Michael King. He is gonna Possibly. be amazing when he's young, and when he gets old, he gets bored. Yeah, that's what I feel. And
0: then I'll have questionable views about Brexit,
1: <laughs> you know, but at the same time, like, um. I would say that that's ex- that was what I was hoping for. I didn't get that ending. And like, I thought, okay, Shyamalan, how would you have done it? And then the choices he made after that, that's when it kind of turned for me. Like, when I said I liked this movie, is because it had all this potential. And also at the same time, it was doing things that subverted my expectations. Yeah. And then when that ending happened, it's like, you did the safest fucking thing.
0: Yeah, it was like, it just... Just a bad twist, but the twist ended up giving you a worse ending than what you've done if you didn't have the twist. Because
1: they needed to establish a universe. Because in this day and age, like it is weird that you don't establish a universe. Yeah. Everybody wants to have a cinematic universe. And at the same time, how do you have a cinematic universe and keep it under budget and try to get rid of the actors who cost too much. Yeah. <laughs> so that's literally why I hated the ending of this movie is because in case we want to make more of these... Like, he's literally said, I don't have any plans, but I might change my mind. Basically meaning,
0: I'm waiting for Jason Blum to write me a check.
1: Mm-hmm. Because like, you have to understand, Blumhouse, when like... He's going to make him make more. Of course. Because like, this is the guy who gave us The Strangers and The Strangers Prey at Night. What's the connection? Killers Wear Masks. Yeah. They're not the same people. Or,
0: hey, you know that one Home Invasion movie you made? Yeah, we're going to make four more of them and a TV
1: series. Remember that doll from that horror story? Well, she has a movie and She has a nun, cinematic universe. And the nun that appears in that, that scene. Oh, in she that has her other, own origin she story had, as well. She has a sequel in the works right now. And it's like, that is what I'm thinking of right now. It's like, she, oh God. Happy
0: Death Day has a sequel coming out. And I liked Happy Death Day. <laughs> but that was a nice self-contained... It's like creating a sequel to Groundhog Day
1: they did it's called Edge of Tomorrow
0: <laughs> I would love that to be the same universe yeah
1: I would love that to be the same universe too <laughs> that'd be so weird
0: that turns out that he was living the same day over and over again not because he needed to be good but because some Andy McDowell, was just...
1: Andy McDowell was the alien all yeah long. she was
0: just <laughs> fucking with him
1: <laughs> anyway but like so it's like so that is my major complaint for this movie I mean logic problems standing of the fact that this is probably some of the most like the, the ending was so uninspired and yeah. unintelligible, but probably what hurts the most is like this is coming off the backs of unbreakable and split two movies I really, really like. And it's just you
0: kind of finish going How entertaining, but
1: dude, you were you were going back up again. <laughs> Do you really uh, but at the same time, I guess why a lot of users on Rotten Tomatoes like this movie. It's probably for the same reasons I do. Is because the potential was there.
0: Absolutely. And also, hey, we got more of James McAvoy, which...
1: We got more Hedwig, got more Patricia, and I think of two more characters were introduced, right?
0: Yeah, we got that uh, critic of Japanese cinema between 1960 <laughs> and 1980. And know who was my favourite one in this one?
1: Yeah. Like, I liked Hedwig a lot in Split. My favourite one was, like, you know, that sultry girl, like, trying to seduce the ordinary. Oh, yeah. Why don't you stand over there? <laughs> I was like... why is that so weird no
0: it wasn't just that which was kind of like okay this is a weird scene which i didn't know i wanted to see but the fact that the orderly was doing it because james
1: mcavoy is just so attractive sir it's like don't you just drown in his eyes yeah i mean (laughs) (laughs) scottish eyes and big nose (laughs) i'm not hating but it's just like is he that
0: alluring i don't
1: know man Maybe I'm afraid. Like when you like meet him in real life, he's like, "Oh my god." Yeah, sure. I'll kill for you. Oh, he
0: could probably <laughs> twist me on his little finger with. That. I'll Just... join your X Men. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: <laughs> X Men, literally. Oh gosh. Anyway, so um, how about you? Any final thoughts on Unbreakable? Yeah. Final thoughts. Uh, fine. I mean, well, glass will not shatter box office record. Oh, wait, he has. It's it has. Glocks. Glass is shattering. No, it's not shattering box office records. It's just making money. But it hasn't. It's doing well.
0: It hasn't cracked my veneer
1: of apathy for Hmm. I guess. I mean, like, for me.
0: I still don't care. That's the problem. It's just. I, I'm not one of people who hate on him. I just. I don't see like, what's special. Enough
1: has been explained to you that you don't have any other reason to actually explore what he has to offer?
0: Yeah, it's just like. None of this is making me want to think, well, I have to see Sixth Sense to see you know, why people love him so much.
1: Like, but you do, actually. Mm, you do have yeah. to see the Sixth Sense because, to me, it is also one of the best psychological thrillers of all time. Okay, It's fine. right up there with Seven. And the thing nope. is, the, the, the problem is, you already know the ending.
0: Yeah, but then I was born after... I would, no, I became aware of movies after 1998, so of course I know the ending. Mm, like, it's impossible to watch this fresh. But watch it
1: for the setup and watch it for uh, Haley Joel Osment's performance, because like for a young actor and for yeah. what he could like what he did, I think mean, I wouldn't say it's like amazing, but I would say it's very commendable. Oh yeah, and at the same time, just to see Bruce Willis actually do work. <laughs> yeah, I. <laughs>
0: I, I rewatched watched uh, the original Die Hard not so long ago, and... Look at him act! Yeah.
1: <laughs> Look at him wince in pain when he steps on glass.
0: Yeah, and like talk to himself, psych himself up to do something stupid. Yeah. And then just fail to impress Hans Gruber. <laughs> <laughs> uh, rest in peace. Alan Rickman. Yeah.
1: But also at the same time. Um, so... Uh, my recommendation, definitely, if you have not seen Unbreakable, which started all of this, go ahead and watch it. It's on Netflix. It's definitely on Netflix. I don't know for how long, though. Yeah. And definitely watch Split. Mm. Watch Split because, uh, yeah, definitely, to me, James was best.
0: Oh, for sure. Definitely yeah. his it's best It's a clinic.
1: Work. It's a clinic on how, you know, to create characters. See, uh, I wouldn't be
0: surprised if they show that in drama schools, saying you need to learn how to be able to switch like that.
1: No, especially if you're, good, if, like, if you're a theater actor, it's much easier for you to roll into the character. But if you're going to be like a studio actor or you have to work on a, on a film set, you need to turn on, like okay, your call sheet says you have to be here at 5am. At 5am, you have a love scene and it's a love scene where you actually hate the woman. Oh yeah. So camera, roll, we're on the schedule. Get Give me the performance right now. So it's like, seeing that is like, as much as everybody was going to say, like, but that's what an actor is supposed to do. Yeah, but watch him do it. As the thing he's supposed to do. As
0: 20... Well,
1: about 7 different people. Like, how many layers of, like, uh, preparation is that? Yeah. So, at the same time, um, Glass, for me, it is a solid 5 upon 10.
0: Uh, I'm I'm going to be a bit harsher, which is, uh, I think, a first. I'm going to give it uh 4.5. 4.5? Yeah.
1: So, it uh, didn't pass?
0: Nah. Uh, mm. Wait for it to come out on streaming. All right. Definitely. Don't, don't spend money to watch this. Like, not that it needs it.
1: I, I also don't recommend you all watch it, you know, but yeah, watch the other movies in So, uh, that about wraps it up for this episode of The Last King podcast, where we talk about three movies, all with very different personalities. Uh, <laughs> a very, then, uh, s- uh, multiple personality. Uh, we, our <laughs> decisions are very split on what we think about glass, but Ugh. at the end of it all, I would say, um, Thank you so much for listening to us again. Yeah,
0: thank you for indulging us in this. We're
1: gonna be talking about actual superhero movies very soon. Don't you worry. Yeah, I mean, Captain
0: Fence. Marvel's coming out
1: over the hill. Sure, it's 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 arriving. Hey,
0: but, it's gonna be better than Wonder Woman.
1: Is that this year too? Like got pushed to twenty twenty. No, I'm
0: saying the original Wonder
1: Woman. Oof. It's gonna be a lot better. of things are a little better than the original. I'll say it. Black Panther is better than Wonder Woman. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> So with that note, uh, this has been Shafik. this has been
0: a central Tom signing up.